In this episode, we talk about the upcoming Electric Dream series, Crisis on Earth X, The Orville, Justice League, and Overwatch League's lack of representation. Then we review Super Mario Odyssey, Breath of the Wild, and A Hat in Time. All this and more on The Geek Generation. Hey everybody, welcome to the Geek Generation. I'm your host, Rob Logan, joined via the internets, the wide range of the internets, by uh, the returning Todriel. Hello. How are you? Hello. I'm okay, I guess. Seems appropriate (laughs) that you're here, uh, given the last podcast we did was in, like, July, and you were the last person on that as well, so... It still blows my mind. Yeah. Fitting. It's been way too long. I uh, I would say to the audience that we're going to get back to doing this weekly, but I don't want to make any kind of promises I can't keep because <laughs> it seems like every time I'm like, okay, guys, we're back. The podcast is back. It just becomes here's a thousand other things you have to deal with. So unfortunately, the podcast often suffers uh, as the thing that I love doing so much, but unfortunately uh, takes a lot of time. So doesn't always become something we can do. So we're trying our best to integrate it into the stream more and more, uh, as well as some other shows that might be down the pipeline. Who knows? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> also, we should update the community as well, because the podcast listeners haven't heard since that last podcast and this podcast. You have a different role here, too. Do I? Well, bet. Oh. All right. I mean, our Twitch audience knows this already, but Tadriel is uh, now the community manager of the entire geek generation. That's like a, a large group of people. <laughs> the it's entirety of the geek generation. The entirety. All of them. Yeah. Even those that don't even know they're a part of it. That's right. They're I forcibly them. managed. <laughs> Get managed, geeks. <laughs> Get managed, internet. Get managed. Uh, but... In uh, in line with that and talking about Twitch and stuff like that, all those things, uh, just a reminder to the people listening, if you are not a regular viewer on Twitch, that all of our podcast recordings are streamed live at twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. You can watch and chat with the other viewers during the show, and there is a time and place to submit your questions as well. So if you'd like us to answer your questions on the show, uh, that is the best way to do that. Or, as always, you can send those questions before the show to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. I do check that email frequently, and uh, I'll get any questions into the show notes for us as we go in. But we're going into that segment that everybody loves so very, very much, uh, the Geek Outs and Freak Outs. Yay! So, Todd. Is that we're starting? Me! What is your Geek Out or Geek Outs for this week? My Geek Outs, like I said, my first one is I'm actually really excited about this, and I hope nobody knows about it because I think it's amazing. I know about it. So, well, of course. <laughs> of course, I know. It'd be a little strange if you didn't. So, um, Millie Bobby Brown, who is the actress who plays um, Eleven in Stranger Things, as we all know, hopefully. Little, um, I think she's 13 years old. She is um, in coots with, uh, what is it, Legacy Films? Legendary uh, Films. They worked with her on Godzilla 2. So, she fil- mm. she is acting in the new Godzilla 2, and she is now working with them to produce and star in a film about Sherlock Holmes' sister. 
Um, and I'm sure all of you are like, what? Sherlock Holmes has a sister. Um, she there does, is a, or he does now. She does, evidently. <laughs> there is an entire um, series of young adult novels built and based upon this character named Enola Holmes. Um, she's much younger than Sherlock is, obviously. Why would Millie Bobby Brown be playing an adult? Uh, so she's <laughs> a lot younger than um, Sherlock Holmes, but there's going to be an entire, I'm assuming, series. I think they said, yeah, series. Entire series built upon this character that she will be starring in. Um, so I thought that was really cool. I'm looking forward to that. And it's one of the, they're trying to say it's like the new Harry Potter, hmm. which I think is really interesting. Um I think that's a valid statement to some degree, depending upon how well it will be executed. I think it could be. Um, but yeah, I think it's amazing. And what the hell were you doing at 13? You weren't producing and writing your th- your own things. Right. I just think it's, it's... I'm geeking out about it. I think it's incredible. How familiar are you with the book series? How familiar... With that? No, I'm not familiar. Not I haven't read all. any of it. Oh, yeah, wow. and I went and looked it up in our system today, and we actually, like, at Barnes & Noble, don't have any in our warehouses of the first title. So it'll be interesting to see um, how this book blows up in media because like what Captain just said, it's a bold claim. So uh, to say that it's similar to Harry Potter or that it's going to be as big as Harry Potter or be the new Harry Potter. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be interesting to watch both the book's success and the films. Is it fairly modern? Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, from what I understand. And it's from what I've been looking through, it's one of the most, I think, original series that has come out since, say, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Okay. Um, so I think it, it there's a good market for it. There's not a lot out there right now. So it'll be interesting to see. Cool. How do I do it? I'm into it. Same. What else do you have? Um, My second geek out, what was it? Oh, yes, the Electric Dream series on Amazon Video. So I, I dropped a link in the Discord about this. Um, Philip K. Dick wrote a book called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And mm-hmm. there's a few short stories that they've pulled from that book and compiled into one TV show series. I think it's going to be very Black Mirror-esque. Um, and I believe in the sense that's that, what Total Recall was based off of. Yes. The I don't know. original one. I, I don't know if it took some liberties or something, but I've definitely heard that book before. Yeah. Um, I've actually never read it, so I feel oh. pretty bad about that. Um, <laughs> revoke my geek card on that one. But it is something that's on my list. It's a short anthology series, so I think it'll be uh, that can translate really well into a ser- like a TV series. Mm-hmm. And it's taken on by Amazon, who has actually already taken on uh, The Man in the High Castle, which is another mm-hmm. Philip K. Dick book. Um, which received moderate praise. I think people liked it, but like Amazon Video hasn't gone off like Netflix or Hulu yet. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see how people feel about this series. But that drops tomorrow. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. Well, yeah, Amazon. I mean, every streaming service these days, it seems like they're looking for the one show to be like their Game of Thrones, their flag bearer. And then... Mm-hmm. From that, they kind of get the publicity to do like get more finances and do other things like that. Um, mm-hmm. For for Netflix, it was House of Cards and like Orange is the New Black. Those two series were like they're big. Yeah. Boom. We're making cool original content. And you're right. Amazon really hasn't found their their tent pole yet. Hulu just hit theirs with Handmaiden's Tale. So yeah. 
And now they're coming out with things like Runaways and exactly. uh, Future Man. So I hope that it, it does kickstart them into that where we have a, a larger market and more people watching Amazon mm-hmm. video because I think they have a pretty fat budget for really good stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I do truly think that this this series in particular, with everything that's out, that kind of fits this theme right now because I think we've had more media coming out that fits this theme like black mirror that's been um heavily discussed it's going to be under a pretty a pretty thick lens i think a lot of people are going to be very critical about how they execute it yeah i'm i definitely check it out i mean one of the reasons mainly is because amazon's the one that i pay for so <laughs> i yeah. don't have all the other streaming services but amazon's one that i don't use the streaming service a lot but it Same. is one that i do have so if they start making original content for it i'd be very excited yeah I heard the Big Six did really well from Amazon, uh, but I still haven't watched that either. It did. Oh, Big Six, amazing, mm-hmm. amazing, and I, I, yeah, I absolutely love that movie. And uh, yeah, they are. It was an Amazon uh, release, not made initially for the streaming service, but then when when the when the VOD came out, uh, it definitely went to Prime like right away because yeah, they have all the rights. So <laughs> yeah, that's a good get for sure. Uh, highly acclaimed too. In addition, to just being a great movie. Cool. All right, so my first one, uh, this is from a few weeks ago, but like I said, we haven't done the podcast in quite a while, so we're kind of playing catch-up right now. Um, But the four-way DC crossover, Crisis on Earth X, uh, do you watch any of the, I guess they still call it the Arrowverse, but I'd call it the DCCW. What? They call it the Arrowverse because Green Arrow, uh, the the show Arrow kind of started it off. Okay, I was going to say, was that the original? Because that seems weird. Yeah, that was the um, first one. I've watched some of Flash Arrow. I haven't finished. Um, I've watched the first season of Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't watched the second season, so I'm I'm fairly behind on most of it. Supergirl but I, gets I have better. Watched, yeah, no, I've heard that. Yeah. Um, I've heard really good things about Supergirl and The Flash, actually. Um, Arrow gets worse. I haven't watched any of the crossovers. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I'm kind of, uh, Arrow's a bit of a trudge these days. But Legends of Tomorrow is still the worst of them all. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard bad things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the coolest thing that they did was uh, last year, they had said that they were going to do a four-way crossover. And they kind of cheesed out on it because it began at the end of a Supergirl episode where like it was just a regular Supergirl episode. And then in the last five minutes... Flash showed up and was like, we need your help. And then off they went. I remember and that. That remember was that. that was the tie-in aspect. I'm like, you're kidding me. That that was just a regular Supergirl episode. That doesn't count. Yeah. So this no. year they actually did a full uh, four-way crossover where it actually went. And, and there was it wasn't like they were doing episodes of the individual shows and just tying them together. This was like a movie that they split up over the four series. And they made those characters a little more prominent in each of their time slots Mm -hmm. because those people were expecting those shows, I believe. And that's a good way to do it. And -hmm. it also gives everyone a little more of their own highlighted screen time. But uh, the fact that they had this massive overarching story among all these episodes was fantastically done. Dealing with the amount of characters that they dealt with, like. People were freaking out when we saw the superheroes in Civil War. And yes, Captain America Civil War is still a better movie than this was a crossover. <laughs> Marvel's still killing it on That's all fronts. That's pretty much everything on Marvel's end. Yes. But yeah. uh, that being said, the sheer vast amount of characters that they handled 
in this crossover was crazy because Supergirl, you're dealing with like a smaller team, but every other show is a team of people. So you're mm-hmm. taking four teams and meshing them all up into this major story. So they've been playing around a lot with the multiverse on the DCCW shows, especially in Flash. Uh, they actually will jump to other Earths all the time. Supergirl is the only one from them who is not on Earth Prime. She's actually on a different Earth as well. So they have to go through like portals to get to her world and vice versa. Um, so they they ended up uh, all getting together for Barry and Iris's wedding. And of course, the wedding got because you can't have a wedding. It's like a pro wrestling wedding. They don't happen ever <laughs> without some sort of incident. It's a bunch of murder. Yeah, everything just becomes uh, crazy. And that wedding, I'm not going to go into everything for people who haven't seen it, but just kind of the basic overarching. That wedding gets interrupted by all these characters from Earth X. Now, there are like 52 worlds within this multiverse that they claim exist, even though we know there are many more than that. But the one, the 53rd that nobody talks about is Earth X, and they don't talk about it because it's so vile and evil. It's a world where the Nazis won and ended up taking over. So now it's a Nazi-run world. And this, all their, like, Nazi doppelgangers end up invading. Yeah, so, like, you have... Oh, so that's what the... Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you have, like, the Nazi version of Supergirl, the Nazi version of Arrow. You have all these characters, and it's super cool. So not only... Are they tasked with playing themselves in this massive thing? They're tasked with playing another version of themselves. But it's just so masterfully done. And I have to give them insane credit for not only giving, uh, I would say, a lot of characters individual moments throughout all these shows. But they also successfully made it lighthearted at times, uh, super serious at times. There was there was some real emotional hits within this as well. And I'm not going to say what happens, but there is something that happens that changes the the scope of like their entire world and entire dynamic and teams and stuff. Um, A major, major event that I did not see coming at all uh, and really, really, really hits you emotionally. So uh, the one thing that I will say. I mean, I'm praising the whole thing anyway, but uh, one better than Justice League. Yeah, (laughs) it is better than (laughs) Justice League. But um, it's 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 proof that and DC, the DC EU, the movie franchise needs to look at the DCCW and say, look at what they were able to accomplish by giving the proper time, by letting Mm -hmm. those characters develop individually. Who produced it? Uh, it was, well, uh, Berlanti is the one who produces it all. Greg Berlanti. He kind of is the overarching helmer of the, uh, DCCW. Oh, okay. Him and I believe Andrew Kreisberg until Kreisberg recently had to go bye-bye because of the same reason every other guy in Hollywood is on their way out. But I know that's a whole other thing. (laughs) (laughs) that's a whole other thing uh but greg berlanti's killing it and and those shows even though sometimes the shows have episodes that are drags here and there uh what they accomplished with that four-way crossover is unparalleled as far as tv goes to take four shows and create a major event that affects all of them and does it insanely well yeah 
And I always love that stuff. I think that's kind of the most beautiful part about the um, the two universes, both Marvel and DC, is the crossover. And if you can execute that well, mm-hmm. um, unlike the Justice League films, mm-hmm. <laughs> that that gets you mad respect. Now, if they could just do it on a like a larger scale level, <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems like all the all the places where people are failing to do this with movie universes, it's because they're going in wanting a movie universe. That was not Marvel's intent. That that yeah. scene tacked on at the end with Nick Fury was like a last minute throw in. They're like, yeah, just in case. Let's see. And it's <laughs> it spawned like <laughs> how many years are we into this now? Like eight yeah. years or something stupid. If not, no more like Iron Man was 2004. Yeah. So I guess the, the moral of the story is don't try too hard. Yeah. <laughs> or just make. Make individual stories. Huh. Of all the DC movies, which one did well? Which one? Huh. Huh. The one that took their most time on. Yeah. Yeah. Because they knew it was going to have the highest criticism. And I mean, you could say Man of Steel was also focused on just Superman, but they were already looking towards the future with that, too. Wonder Woman was just very self-contained. Yeah. And that's why it worked the best. Mm -hmm. Aside from being just awesome. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to talk a lot about the DC movies in a little bit. Uh, also, on my Geek Outs, I started watching The Orville. Okay. Which, did you get a chance to watch any of it yet? Or No. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> There's no rush. Uh, so The Orville, especially from the marketing, I was like, I don't know. Like, I yeah. stopped watching Family Guy. I stopped watching American mm-hmm. Dad. I stopped watching all the McFarlane shows. Uh, and I don't know how much his brand of humor lasts you in the long run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was my biggest thing when I was looking at, when I was researching that as much as I could about mm-hmm. the show. I was like, all right. Yeah. And the the marketing, not great. Uh, the pilot yeah. was iffy because it was just what you would expect. It was very juvenile and like really spoofy. Yeah. And they went mm-hmm. they went for a lot of cheap jokes, as they often do. And the humor never really lands in that show, especially even. Well, not especially, but they they definitely downplay it more as the series progresses. I think I'm like nine, eight or nine episodes in right now. Um, and you have to make comparisons to the source material a little bit and to the franchise that it's parodying. Well, -hmm. I mean, source material, that's not right. The thing, I guess in both regards, it's the thing it's parodying, but I guess I should say the past of what it's parodying and the one that's on the air right now. So, so you have to be very aware of the Star Trek verse. Yeah, because I mean, it really is, it (laughs) it really is a parody and a take on the whole Star Trek franchise. Uh, and Seth MacFarlane is a huge Star Trek fan. He did have a cameo, I believe, in the first, the 2009 Star Trek movie, if I'm not mistaken. But it could be a different one. I don't remember. Uh, but he uh, he definitely made this with the spirit of Star Trek. And every episode, there are there are places that it goes where it's asking like those sci-fi questions of so okay i'll give you an example of a premise of one of the episodes uh there is one episode one of the members of his crew 
belongs to an all-male race. Every person in that species is a male. That's just the way it is. Him, uh, they, I guess they they reproduce by having uh, by laying eggs, and then they sit on the egg for like twenty three days and incubate it and all that stuff. And that's how I, I don't know. It is what it is. I don't question. <laughs> uh, but because of that, uh, they do end up having an egg in one of the episodes. And then they give <laughs> they... birth to a. So do they all sit collectively on one egg? I, no, it was like... just one guy was sitting on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the crew member job, was right. sitting on his egg and his mate right. was just kind of hanging around. Uh, <laughs> and then they end up. You need to watch the show, evidently. They end up hatching a female. Oh, what? So the debate, when it happens, him and his mate are both like, oh, this has happened before, not to us, but it has happened in the history of our species. So we'll do what they always do. We will get gender corrective surgery on the infant. And then the crew is like, wait, what? You can't do that. <laughs> like, you're you're aboard a union ship, which is the name for their federation. Like, you can't. You can't do that kind of a surgery on an infant that has no say into what's going on. Very true. And then the debate That's starts going of, well, if your child is born with a cleft palate in your society, you correct it, right? And he's like, yeah, no question. And they're like, well, in our society, this is a birth defect. We're all males. So we need to correct it. It's really interesting. So it's like, do you respect our society's rules and like the way we work? Or does it have to go by your rules because I'm on your ship? Hmm. And then they reveal that that crew member's mate was born a female that was gender reassigned. What? So like they keep adding layers to it and they go to trial. And I'm like, this is a Seth MacFarlane show. Supreme Court. And it's doing like really cool stuff. And yes, it does keep throwing in the humor. But like I said, it did back off of the frequency of it a little bit. And when a joke gets a little too like Seth MacFarlane and a little too family guy, it falls flat. Okay. And I kind of wish they would just lean into being the new Star Trek because I can't Mm -hmm. help but compare it to Discovery. Discovery still does not feel like Star Trek. Hmm. Yeah, you keep saying that, and then you told me that you thought the Orville was, and what, the, what I knew of the Orville was Seth MacFarlane, yeah. and I was like, are you kidding me? I think... Like, has the men changed? Yeah, right? <laughs> I think the biggest reason is that Discovery is uh, one big story, one big narrative, and they're not... They've done it maybe once or twice, but they're not taking episodes to explore those questions. Like in in good Star Trek, they take every episode and they say, here's the thing we're exploring in this episode. Here's the theme. Here's the question. Let's let's really delve into that. And sometimes, Mm -hmm. yeah, it wraps up in an overly unique package by the end so that they can go to next week, which is what the next generation will always do. Yeah. But I'm there for those little explorations every time. I don't need this. I like having connective tissue. I like seeing Mm -hmm. that next season you're going to reference something that happened in this season. That's Mm -hmm. all I need. I don't need one long, huge story going over the whole thing. It doesn't need to be that specific. And and Discovery feels like (laughs) 
this is a weird way to put it, but uh, Discovery feels like the DC Star Trek in that they're like overly dark and. Oh, okay. They're not like Doctor Who-y. Yeah, they're, I'm not into the characters as much because they're not really exploring the characters as well as past okay. Star Trek stuff. Um, yeah, because I remember telling you because I haven't really consumed deeply any kind of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Like I watched, I tried to start and I watched like the very early season. Um, and I actually really enjoyed it just for like of the original respect sake. Yeah, um, <laughs> that, that's hard for- to watch. Trying to like put myself in that mindset and put myself back in that time was really nice to actually mm-hmm. do, but I didn't continue because who has time? Um, but I'm really looking forward to just consuming the new one for what it is and not um, not having any kind of bias. Mm. Um, but now that you say that, that's interesting. I am curious I'll where your bias. thoughts will be when you watch them. Yeah. And I would suggest you watch both. Just this is on Netflix now, right? Uh, I believe Discovery is yes, mm-hmm. at least the first part of it. I don't know what the release schedule is because I know they're releasing them on CBS All Access first, mm-hmm. and I don't know what the waiting period is before they move over to Netflix from there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, those are my geek outs. Let's go into freakouts. Oh, freakouts! Todd, uh, get ready. With your freak She's outs? gonna wind <laughs> like, up now. Do, Here we go. Do, do you want to start with your freakouts? If, if you want to, I, I mean, like unless unless you want mine on. to be there to lighten the load afterwards. Um, I have a I have like a purposeful like planned ending for mine that's gonna be positive. So okay. If you want to start with yours? Okay, we can do mine first. That's fine. <laughs> All right. So because mine are just very frivolous, <laughs> especially the first one. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my first freak out are chocolate hazelnut Oreos. <laughs> it's mm, very, very see, non-society mm. impactful, except for my personal Shook impact. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, so we've done a lot of Oreo taste tests on the show over the years. Many, many, many of the limited edition Oreos we've all tried. Uh, they're gross. <laughs> they're gross. <laughs> they're not good. They are marketed as chocolate hazelnut. The hazelnut flavor is like barely there, if there at all. I you That's you really look sad. at it and you expect Nutella. They're so lazy on their, their right <laughs> on their flavoring. And this one's not even hard. Go buy vanilla. Uh, go buy like a jar of Nutella and spread <laughs> yeah, it inside an Oreo. Done. Hook it up to your shit. It's easy. Yes, or partner with Nutella. Like, don't even come up with your own. Dude, that would have been smart. Brand just because then double brand it, sell more. Yeah, come and on. Nutella now. does like great on Tumblr. You could have got those Tumblr babies on your Oreos. <laughs> exactly. Come on, come on. It's, it's just too easy. But the, so the <laughs> hazelnut is like barely there at all. There's a little bit of an aftertaste of it, but while you're actually eating it, there's like this weird like tinge bite stuff. I don't know. It's just gross. It's not good. It's not good. I mean, it's not tinge? fruity pebble Ooh. Oreos bad, but it's bad. <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah. Uh but that one's that's 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 a throwaway. Anyway. <laughs> well we should we should take every recipe that you're really upset with yeah. and like you should make it and make it way better. <laughs> make my own yeah, hazelnut your own Oreo. Oreos. Yeah. Mm. You could do it. Easy peasy. No I'll problem. Write it down. No problem. Uh my other one is Justice League. Did you see Justice League? The new one? Yes. Or either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so good at this whole like 
consuming media. No. No. Um, I did it. I heard that it was um, very much carried by Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Shocker. Are we, As if they are we <laughs> Why wouldn't they aim it towards her? I mean, seriously. <laughs> if it hadn't, if she had, because I thought that she was going to have a lot less time, but I'm sure they added scenes. Because I think they said they did. They added scenes with oh, her in it after. Oh, they did a tremendous amount of reshooting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so at least they get that much. <laughs> yeah. And then there was Mustache Gate on top of all that. Mm. You're familiar with Mustache Gate, right? I don't know the specifics. You can go ahead and explain. Okay. So for those that don't know... <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole thing where Henry Cavill was shooting the next Mission Impossible movie and he needed to go back for the Justice League reshoots. Problem is his character in uh, Mission Impossible has a big old mustache and the studio would not let him shave it for Justice League. Because fake mustaches aren't a thing or anything, right? right? They just I don't know if it was a power play. <laughs> Yeah, it's like them throwing shade at DC. Yeah. They're like, like nah. no, your silly little Justice League movie? <laughs> Keep the mustache. Are you kidding me? So they spent I millions, really hope that was- <laughs> millions of dollars to <laughs> s- digitally remove his mustache. And the the first scene you see in the movie, and this is not a spoiler in any way, shape, or form, it's like they watched Spider-Man Homecoming and said, that webcam or that... That selfie cam thing or the found footage idea is a great way to start a movie. And they do that with some kids talking to Superman. And he turns around to look at him and they're like, what is wrong with his face? Like, there's just like, uh, (laughs) you can clearly tell it was one of the scenes where they CGI'd his mustache off. And it didn't translate well. He looks like a doll. Like he had way too much Botox (laughs) and his face is frozen and expressionless. Granted, that's kind of how DC likes their Superman right now anyway, but yeah, it was not a good idea. Not a good I idea. I mean, you already have so much pressure on your shoulders to do something that silly. Yeah. And to not make sure it looks perfect in post-production. I just don't. I can't. I mean, if I was if I was Warner Brothers, I'd be like, you shave that mustache and whatever money we'll we'll pay half the money to the studio so that we don't have to cgi like it'll be cheaper if we just pay them off and you shave the mustache and then we'll get you a really good replacement after yeah I don't know. that was a horrible That's... move so that was mustache gate but justice league itself um it was clearly a movie cobbled together by two different visions which is Never good, because Zack Snyder bowed <laughs> out at a certain point. Joss Whedon took mm-hmm. over, mm-hmm. and Whedon's great and everything, but his <laughs> visions are very different than Zack Snyder's. And you could go Whedon scene, <laughs> Snyder scene, Whedon joke, yeah. <laughs> which is so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> so bad. The fact that it happened at all, you, you don't want to think about those things while you're watching a movie. Yeah. <sighs> and then. <laughs> Gal Gadot is over here being queen. Yeah. Yeah. That was the only reason why I considered purchasing a ticket. Just to like try to directly support her. But I will say in support of the movie that it is the best DC movie next to Wonder Woman. It's just (laughs) that the the bar to get above like Suicide Squad. (laughs) Yeah. was not very difficult. Mm. So they're like, ah, we grabbed the edge and just pulled ourselves right over 
into just better than Suicide Squad land. I mean, it was kind of fun, but I don't want fun Batman either. Like, I don't want Batman making jokes. He's allowed to be the straight man. That's how he gets his humor across. If he's just like the kind of sarcastic reaction to people, that's one thing. And I know Barry Allen, Barry Allen, I say in quotes, because they had a character named Barry Allen. I don't recognize much about that person as being Barry Allen, but he was called that and he was annoying. I didn't like him. I didn't like their version of The Flash at all. Yeah, I heard the general humor in in the film didn't really land well. No, no. Aquaman was kind of which fun. DC has struggled with forever. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like Marvel, Marvel hits it on on the nail with the humor every time, but for some reason DC, I can't execute it. Well, part of it is the world that they set their characters in. It's like a humorless world. They set yeah. a precedent, and then they're trying to like crowbar it in instead of kind of lightening up everything a little bit. Yeah. Like humor doesn't make it light. You have to mm-hmm. actually like take a breath <laughs> yeah. and and not be so in, like, stern about everything. Written comedic relief. Yeah. Like it also comes with the acting and like the lighting and the music and <laughs> where to place it correctly. It's literally yeah. like they made a movie and then someone went back afterwards and took post it notes and said, We need a joke here. We need a joke here. Yeah. So somebody everything. write jokes. <laughs> Joke jokes. Oh, yeah. I honestly wouldn't be shocked either <laughs> if they did that. Yeah. So Justice League was a bit of a disappointment. Okay, that's not true. I can't say disappointment. Justice League was pretty much what I expected it to be. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little better than I expected it to be, honestly. But that still is not saying a lot. That's it. <laughs> Your turn. My turn. <laughs> Oh, all right, good. We have a good hefty chunk of time left. Um, so as um, you guys probably, or some of you probably saw today on Twitter, I posted a link about Overwatch League, um, and it just started up yes yesterday, right? Mm, um, the, we, they yeah, started yeah, up actually. comp matches again for 2018 yesterday. Um, and I want to briefly talk on the Twitch partnership because I think it's awesome. Um, I even really like what they're doing with the whole like cheering and chat for skins. Although a lot of people are trying to compare it to the whole like EA thing, which I think is super silly. I'm and not are super way too familiar with that. That aspect. Um, I actually, this is the one thing that I meant to look up a little bit more to give you more information on, but I didn't because we got talking before. Stream. Okay. Um, but from what I understand, I think you can cheer in, in Twitch chat during the comps and that can gain you access to having a code for a particular skin mm. in Overwatch, um, which I think is a great way to kind of incentivize more viewers for Overwatch League like they need it. Or sure, anything. I know, right? But They're going to do it fine. Also, yeah, and it, it, it's, I just think it's cute. Um, and there's already so many reasons why people love skins and that gives them another way to kind of get something special mm-hmm. from from the game and it's it's just another layer of how cool they um implement business changes that i um i like watching with blizzard it's not something that is going to change your gameplay mm-hmm. <laughs> um but if you want it you can have it and they let you um so i really liked that and i'm really glad that twitch is going to partner with him for the next two years and it's not going to be like on mlg tv like they had the other one um because i think when people think Overwatch, especially, um, you're gonna want to run to Twitch before you go to any other streaming service. Mm. So, 
It was a good move. Um, but secondly, so that would be a good, like, good job, Overwatch League and Twitch. I like you. That's the one. So this part. That's the one <laughs> that's thumbs the one up we're going to give like. right now. So um, this is really just a personal critique I have on the league itself and its lack of representation. And I want to I wanna say um, very clearly that this isn't my criticism based upon the players. I think the players have already proven themselves to be totally worthy of being in pro league. They're all really, really good mm-hmm. <laughs> across the board. And we can tell just by watching. Yeah, they're not going to get players that are crappy. They need the best. Right yeah, now. that would be weird. <laughs> um, and I'm definitely not saying that I need to be like Overwatch Pro. <laughs> so this is me just as a viewer, this as a consumer. you personally whining about not getting <laughs> booked on a team. Yeah. Exactly. Why don't I just you want to make sure me? people know this. I just want to make sure people know. Um, but I do find it really disappointing that um, across the board, um, this league in specific is lacking not only female players, but uh, people of color. So people outside of the skin tone uh, or outside of one particular skin mm. tone. And my first critique, obviously, was, I mean, there's a lot of talk about the community itself being toxic. Um, and not just toxic against one particular um, group of people, but just toxic in general, which I've experienced and I have not. Um, I think Overwatch is one of the, if not the biggest um, games amongst people in the world right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can go to the grocery store and talk about Overwatch. Um, it's something that I can share amongst my fellow humans. People know what that is versus like Siege. Not a lot of people know what Siege mm-hmm. is. Um, so I think it has a really large uh, reach. And with that, um, not only does the game have really, really immense representation, and not only does Blizzard spend time on making sure that they are representing uh, different people in their game, mm-hmm. um, having Tracer be openly gay, having Symmetra be autistic, they put it into their lore. Um, I would really love to see that be represented in the Pro League. Now, with that said... I know it's a lot easier said than done. <laughs> um, I know it shouldn't be a matter of representation for representation's sake. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about that. I'm specifically talking, and I did a lot of research on it because I did get really like curious about how things work in the league. Because um, they don't really make that stuff accessible to you unless you dig. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did dig. I did forum searching. I was asking simple questions like, why aren't women in this league? Where are the people of color? Um, and I think it all comes down to, and this, you guys can correct me, you're more than welcome to, and of course, we'll have more discussion about this after the podcast, um, but I think it comes down to the vetting process. So from what I understand, you, to be accepted or to even be considered into league, not only do you need to have a pretty fair foothold in the esports community, mm-hmm. but you also either need to be making top 500 in Overwatch ranked, which, as we all know, depending upon who you're playing with, if you're solo queuing, that's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not to say that the standard shouldn't be really, really high. It's really more about the accessibility. Sure. Um, so if you're already in pro league and you've, you're like kind of a seasoned vet, which, honestly, most of Overwatch players aren't going to be that. <laughs> so if you already are that, um, of course, you already have this this kind of privilege and, and one up on the people that may be qualifiable that are being overlooked. Mm. Um, I, from what I can, I can tell, uh, that's from what I can tell, and this is my humble opinion, mm-hmm. that is the biggest problem when it comes to representation in the league. Um, you're, they're pulling in a lot of people who are experienced in other pro scenes. Um, they're having local events 
that are LAN events with people that already know each other. Um, so in most marginalized groups, when it comes to pro leagues, they aren't going to be attending those. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to get invited. Uh, they will be overlooked. And now some may say, well, it's up to them. If they really want it, they'll fight for it. And I absolutely agree. But I think with something that does reach as far as Overwatch does and something that's trying to get as big as, say, the NFL, mm. there needs to be a lot more re- responsibility when you are making these leagues accessible to other people. Sure. Um, I don't know. What do you I'm, yeah, I'm just kind of going. No, off. no, I'm listening. I, I did read the article uh, that you you posted to and it was talking about that one player in particular. I don't remember her name. Yeah. Gaguri. Or- yeah. Uh, yeah. So they they had kind of different people from different teams giving their excuses, I'm going to say, for why this the top female player was not drafted. Now, I don't yeah. know. I don't follow the Overwatch League. I mean, I know it just started. I didn't go down the rabbit holes like you did uh, for the research. So I don't know where her standing. I know they said she's the top female player. I don't know where her standing is in like the grand scheme of everything. Um, I mean, it's all opinion based when you don't have a lot of uh, female players that are being represented. It's hard to say anybody's at the top of that that group. You know, there were some excuses that were passable uh, and there were others that were like, uh, what? Like like when they were saying, oh, we wanted to get a team of people that were all familiar with each other. They had the communication down. Mm-hmm. And they they mm-hmm. just play with each other, so we just grab the whole group. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh okay, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> They're already a team, so you don't have to go that extra level. But yeah. like at the same time, you also have to think about, and this this is not on the league, I guess personally, or but it's like why are all these teams also all male? Like why was yeah. she not pulled into one of these teams before it even got to the league level? Should someone right. not have been like, she's friggin' amazing. Mm-hmm. We want her to play with us. Right. Like that's, that's, and that, a, yeah. it's been, it's kind of been pushed around and from, and what I really, I want to, I'm going to shout this out because I did have a pretty long conversation. I've had several conversations about this with several different mm-hmm. people so far. Um, one that I really want to highlight though, and who happens to be in chat right now is SK and I were discussing it and, Especially with media and in particular with the article that I posted, um, it's really easy to read a biased opinion and take it and run with mm-hmm. it. Um, from what I understand with this particular gamer, and this I also want to make clear, I wasn't really pushing for her to be in the league. Um, I really just want to see more representation mm-hmm. across the board. Um, I want it to be talked about more. I think bringing it up and discussing it is the most important thing, and that's really what kind of inspires change, um, opposed to just kind of avoiding it and saying, well, darn, this is the world we live in. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's just unacceptable, especially with the game. That's like, I I've mentioned, it's already like female players play two times more this game than they play any other mm. FPS. Um, so they're there, like they're, they're for sure there. And you also and have to consider you like mean when you're not. looking at leagues, sorry to cut you off, but when you look no, at fine. leagues as a general esports is an area where gender is not going to be as big a factor as it is in like athletic yeah, sports. Football. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. in football, the differences are very clear <laughs> in esports. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's such a marginal, if anything, yeah, if there's I even personally, yeah. I would not see that say there is one. So yeah, this um, is and the opportunity. There were some criticisms. I, I got deep into this. I got into the overwatch forums. I read 
every little thing that every little person had to say, um, both the ones that are very heavy advocates. From what I understand, the entire league, um, the, the men who make up the league are huge advocates of women coming into the league. Just nobody wants to step out and be the first, <laughs> uh, which, as we all know, sounds very familiar um, as history goes. Mm. So, And I think that's natural. But I think... I think the league does hold a responsibility to represent that. Um, I do understand that pro players make up a very small percentage of the player base, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. I just find it very hard to believe. Um, and I think it would be interesting if they were planning on creating a massive franchise like the NFL, if they would have junior leagues. Um because I would like to be a part of the vetting mm -hmm. process as a viewer. I would like to see the people go from not pro to pro. Like, that would be cool. Kind of like how you watch college football sure, and you, you see them the get drafted into the NFL. Yeah. Like, I want to see yeah. that shit. So give me that shit. Like, and you'll, I promise you, you will gain more, um, more of an audience. Yeah. You don't even have to put and, it on the main it, stage. Like, just give us access yeah. on the side theater or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And this by no means is a gender debate. Um, I do want to make it very clear that this isn't just about women versus men. It's also just about every different kind of person. Mm -hmm. um, and this, I think this one in particular, um, because Overwatch League is making history with esports is very important because you, you can look at Siege, um, competitive Siege, competitive CSGO, um, competitive Dota, like League of Legends. They all have women <laughs> on their rosters. Yeah, it's not really a half and half percentage, but at least they're represented. Um, you have people of color in those rosters. I just I was shocked when I saw the first rosters come out. I was just like, what? And it's all I talked about since the rosters dropped. Yeah. Um, just got really confused about it. <laughs> and there are, aside from the girl that, um, that was mentioned in that article, even if we're not talking about it, even if we're, we're taking away the implications mm -hmm. that that article, which to be fair with you guys, like that was total clickbait and that was meant to start the conversation and it did. <laughs> which is um, fine. But yeah. And to get, get rid of those implications and to say, you know what, maybe this isn't, this isn't about sexism. This isn't about trying to keep anybody down. And this is really just about, um, general just making sure that you're doing the right the right mm -hmm. thing um i forgot what tangent i was going on right there. that's okay <laughs> um i also think it would be like they're the fact that they're not getting what happens. certain uh genders or races or whatever like even just from a business standpoint is foolish yeah, no, that's because where I was going. it's it's it feels like I'm demeaning the issue by saying this, but they're missing a marketing opportunity. Imagine Absolutely. if one team has a female. Guess. Yeah. If you want to take it down to yeah, that. Guess who's like, selling the most merch. Take it down to that. <laughs> yeah. And that's a that's kind of a part of the problem that some of them are talking about, too, is is we don't want to be the first team with a female. Like, imagine the PR nightmare that that could be. Are we just doing it just to do mm -hmm. it? Um, well, personally, if you were the first team to have a female, I would probably like 800 percent be yeah. on your side um, and be like, let's go. At this point, it should be we want to be the first team. We're going to be the first. Yeah. Team. Yeah. Um, and that's and that would just be the, the stepping stone into the league. You know, you would see a lot more females entering. Um, so. Yeah, I think it's a great business move. Um, when I'm watching sports, I'm a team viewer. Mm -hmm. I want to root for the team. I don't necessarily – like, I appreciate stats, like strats and stuff, but I'm not 100%. That's not the reason why I watch sports. Um, I want to be invested in the players. And if I don't see myself on the roster, just like any – other, even if I'm, like, 
like I get critical about games that don't represent. Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't see myself, then why? If you're just disregarding me, then why? You know, why would I invest my time into you? Absolutely. Uh, so that's, I guess, my very mild rant. It wasn't as intense as I guess I was. <laughs> it's always more intense in your brain until get. you start talking yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're like, yeah. yeah. But I and I think it's a simple critique. I think it's a fair, it's a critique, very fair and critique. I think there are very simple um, things that they could implement into the system to change mm-hmm. it. Yeah, there are very simple steps. And it would be very on brand for them to be the first league with the most women. The fact that the game is Overwatch as well, too, which yeah. is so representative in itself, then the yeah. league should reflect that. One would think. Yeah. One one would one think. One would think. Because it is a game where anyone can look at it and go, hey, I'm that monkey. <laughs> so <laughs> let's get some monkeys exactly. in the Overwatch League. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Let's get some lemurs. Lemur. Ooh, I'd watch um, lemurs play video games. Honestly, same. <laughs> I would watch a pro league of lemurs. Let's go. Uh, um, but yeah, and Gaguri, and she's just one very small one. Sure, it's easy to sure. point her out because she was criticized. Um, she dealt with the backlash of what it means to be a female in gaming. She dealt with what it means to be really good. Um, you immediately get criticized for cheating. People don't think that you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are girls like Barcode. She's one of the ones that's underground that nobody knows about. And to be honest, look at the league roster. How many people do you know on the league roster? So it's not about like, oh, I don't know those girls. Yeah, nobody really knows those girls. Just like nobody really knows i mean there are some names that people probably know if they're really deep into the pro league but there are plenty of girls that have grandmaster rank and people of color that have grandmaster rank that are floating around on reddit saying why why not me Mm. um i wasn't vetted i don't know these people and that's a part of it too and i think that's just natural in business um networking is going to be the easiest way to do things but i think they i think us as viewers and consumers as well as the competitors deserve to to have every opportunity, um, every equal opportunity to compete. I agree. Like, if I want to compete, I should be able to compete at a pro level if I can make it to that point without having connections with, like, Optic or without having connections with Korean pro Your players. Your skill should speak for itself. Yes. yes. I agree. <laughs> Meritocracy. The best rise to the top. Yee. Yee. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. Hopefully, though, I mean, the the fact that people are speaking about it alone should make some sort of change, yeah. but we'll see what actually happens. I mean, it's still very new. Granted, it's not the best foot to start on. No, and that, I think, was the most disappointing mm. thing for me because I've been waiting for Pro League for a while. Like, I have this game on all platforms. I, I played it during beta. Um, I've I've watched it grow and become this really I watched it have no merch to have like all the merch mm-hmm. in the world. It's it's been really enjoyable. It's been a great ride, but for Pro League to end up where it's at right now, I'm just like like I said today, I don't feel like Pro League is Pro League. I mean, I think these guys are very talented, but as far as accessibility-wise, like this right now should be tryouts. We should be watching tryouts. Um we shouldn't be watching people compete against each other that we haven't really we have zero investment in these teams other than Houston Outlaws is my city, so right, I'm going to get behind right. them, um, which for me just isn't Yeah, enough. it's never been a it's reason for enough. me to support any team, honestly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of room for growth in League. 
Um, and it'll be interesting to watch it. A lot of people, I think the whole consensus is there will be more women coming. Uh, just didn't start off that way. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> Maybe now it'll they'll come out. I want to see an all female team now just because. Yeah. And I was talking about that today. And I, I don't know if even, I feel like that would be worse. It might be, but <laughs> if it's about communication and there just happens to be a team that is really good and they just happen to be all female, then hey. Yeah, that would be great. And they, if they succeeded, that would be even yeah. better. Um, but I really just want to see men and women playing together. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I play with a lot of guys and we work really well. Our team dynamic isn't changed because of, of my vagina. Yeah. So it's... No? <laughs> I, it, it's really just about your skill level on a game. <laughs> Wait, are you saying gender has nothing to do with video games? <laughs> what? What a, what a wild claim. What a liberal... <laughs> <laughs> it's as if you can't see each other when you're playing a game what but your voice is higher than mine what you must be worse go play mercy please <laughs> yeah yeah well all well said see? all well said we didn't even have to get angry or anything so look at that <laughs> no and i i think i really wanted to i wanted to come at it without anger because i do i i have an, uh, a tendency to to jump on these mm. things really passionately and then i have to pull myself back and be like but why are you passionate mm. um just because after a while you get tired yeah. of it you're like oh there's another yep. one <laughs> another one bites the dust um uh, another one bites the dust but i did just watch siege pro league and there are women in siege pro league and they did fairly well so they exist amongst different leagues i wish they just uh were a little bit heavier in overwatch It'll happen. It'll yeah. happen. Just should have happened sooner. So, all you low-key pro players hanging out in chat that are ladies. Get on it. <laughs> get on it. Get on it. Uh, we're going to take a moment as we transition to hawk some shit. Because so <laughs> we're going to go into, into support the show. Uh, if you're a gamer <laughs> that wants to help support the geek generation, and even if you're not a pro gamer, we've partnered up with the folks at Humble Bundle. So, when you shop in the Humble store... Or you buy the latest bundle, a portion of your purchase comes our way. Just use thegeekgeneration.com slash humble before you buy your games and you'll be helping us out. So thank you. We have some reviews yeah. to get to. You're in the middle of a couple games. Yes. yes. Um, what you playing? I am. I'm playing a lot of games. <laughs> I'm going to focus on two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Breath of the Wild and Super Mario mm. Odyssey. Um, Super Mario Odyssey, I've really enjoyed. It brings back the nostalgia of Mario, but like the new age and the nuances of so the past good. few games, they've been really, it's so good. Um, it's probably one of my favorite, favorite newer games uh, that the Mario franchise has come out with. It feels closest to my old school mm -hmm. Mario, um, with better graphics and better mechanics. Um, I'm about, I would say, I know I have over like 30 hours in the game and I would say I'm about halfway through, but that game is done when you want it to right. be done. Like you can finish the story, but there's so many things that you have so to many get through. Um, but yeah, I think as it's very, each level has its own feel. Um, each level is, it's a very relaxing experience. I usually play it before I go mm -hmm. to sleep or like on my lunch break if I just need to chill. Um, so if you are considering getting that game and you were a fan as a child, I would 100% recommend out of all of the Mario games that are on the market right now. Um, 
that in Breath of the Wild. I just started up Breath of the Wild. I it's very similar in the in the aspect. It feels very Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I really enjoy it so far. I haven't really gotten far enough into it to form a, uh, I guess a critical opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still getting into the the thickness of the of the story, and I'm kind of exploring the the world right now. But I can say something that I really love about this game. Um, is it doesn't treat you like a child. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I've seen it some harshness. Yeah, it doesn't spoon feed anything to you. So things you have to figure out how to play the game. So you you do have to explore and waste your time, not questing. Mm-hmm. Um, which I really really like. It's a very pretty game. It's gorgeous mm-hmm. on on the screen, the Switch screen. It's also gorgeous on my TV. Um, so so far, both of those games, one out of. One out of ten. Ten out of ten. <laughs> Would recommend. Haven't finished them yet, though. So you you mentioned that you play them sometimes on, like, your break at work and stuff, right? Yeah. Do you think that Odyssey and Breath of the Wild were created as open-world games so that they would take more time, thereby lending themselves better to a console you can bring with you anywhere? Yes. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> and I think that's another reason why they brought Skyrim over oh, first. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And now speaking of Switch News, Dark Souls. So, did you hear about I that did. today? We'll yeah, have the, the trailer during Trailer Park this Saturday. I mean, you know nothing. Spoilers. Nothing. Spoilers. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I totally think that's it. And a lot of platforming games that aren't um, multiplayer-based are really popular on the Switch. So, yeah, I think you're right. It's really one of those they're thinking about what people are doing on the bus on their mm-hmm. way home, um, what they're doing mobile-wise, not really connecting-wise. Um, but I'm, I am excited to see what they do with the multiplayer yeah. in the future. Cool, cool. I think they released Mario Tennis is coming out this January, uh-huh. so that'll be cool. Well, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wreck you in some tennis, Rob. When you get a switch, I don't have a switch. I only want to <laughs> oh, play Mario. Eventually. Like I see Mario, yeah. and I'm like, I haven't played a Mario game since like it's Super so Nintendo, satisfying. really. And it's very similar to Hat in Time, so I think oh, you would really Hat enjoy time. it. Speaking of Hat in Time, look at that professional <laughs> segue, Todd. Bam, bam, bam. bam. Uh, so my <laughs> review is for a video game called A Hat in Time. Uh, it was uh, provided to me by the folks. Uh, it is a humble published game. However, I believe I was given the code prior to getting partnership with Humble. So this is not uh, just a, hey, I'm a humble partner. So <laughs> good yeah. review. Uh, but no, this game, if you look, it's getting acclaim all over the place. Uh, you spoke of like 3D platforming Mario. This is within that vein. Not as polished, probably, as Odyssey is, because Odyssey is very, like you said, it's really, really good looking. The controls are super tight. Uh, But Hat in Time is a little more like old school Mario 64. The graphics are better than Mario 64, though. Don't feel like they're jumping (laughs) back that far. Uh, But super adorable, cute game. I believe the, uh, the tagline that they use to publicize it is, a cute as heck 3D platformer. That's a hundred percent on the nose. It is a cute as heck 3D platformer. And yeah, uh hat girl, cute. the girl you play as, is super adorable. You get all the different hats, which give you different abilities. This is all very Mario-like. It's not anything mm-hmm. that's way out of left field, but they definitely built their own world at the same time. Uh, a very fun mm-hmm. cast of characters. 
You basically oh, go yeah. and collect all these timepieces instead of stars or moons from all these worlds that are all over the place. And uh, in doing so, you have all these like little stories as you go along. Like you have an all mafia planet, which sounds kind of terrifying. But in this way, <laughs> where they're all like kind of big, dumb Italian stereotypes, it's kind of charming. And they're like, yeah. no one's really like evil, evil. They're all like, oh, yeah, no one's really sinister. <laughs> it's very, yeah, it's very family yeah, friendly. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's not. It's not like I mean, it is kind of a kid's game but then you see some darker areas too like there was that mm. horror world where you run into a noose and it's like oh yeah i want to be around your neck and you're like whoa <laughs> that is that is out of nowhere so yeah there's Yikesy. there's some really creepy stuff too but uh i mean really the biggest the biggest thing is it's just plain fun it's it's a good time it's relaxing I, I didn't like stress out playing a hat in time. I was like, this is just enjoyable. I can play this for hours on end. I think I played through the full game in maybe like close to 20 hours, something along yeah. those lines. Um, it's really enjoyable to watch. Yeah, but it was super, super fun. Yeah. Highly recommend. Super fun. All right. News time. So much news. News time. So much news. Oh, I forgot. We have, we have news. news. Yes. You forgot about news. I'm looking forward to okay. news. I can't believe I forgot That's about why news. I read the news I'll to you. I. So even if you didn't look at the news, I'm going to read it to you. I looked it up. All right. After the box office disappointment of Justice League, it was announced that Warner Brothers had begun restructuring their DC Films division by shifting previous point man John Berg out. Now, according to Heat Vision, Warner's new choice to take the reins of the DC brand is new line executive Walter Hamada who helped shepherd it as well as the Conjuring universe. Hamada will continue to work alongside DCCCO. That's a title. DCCCO <laughs> Chief Creative Officer Jeff Johns, an acclaimed comics writer in his own right, whose, ex whose expertise with the brand is still valued at the studio. Johns also has story credit on the in-development Wonder Woman 2 and Green Lantern Corps. Hamada's ascension marks yet another chapter in the ever-shifting struggle to find an overall guardian of the DC brand, similar to the way Kevin Feige has consistently overseen all of the Marvel Studios' pictures. As president of all DC-based film production, Hamada will inherit the DCEU, a crucial transition period where, uh, where only one film, Aquaman, will see release in 2018. That will give the new team a chance to reassess a series of films that the previous regime had developed, including Flashpoint, Man of Steel 2, Green Lantern Corps, Suicide Squad 2, and Batgirl. So they have a lot of stuff on the slate, but Aquaman's the only one coming out this year, and <laughs> it's rumored that Flashpoint is going to rewrite a large portion of the DC Universe. <laughs> I'm still very anxious for DC. I, am too. I think all of this does, and forgive me. But all of this does is highlight just the convoluted nature of that franchise. I agree. Like, there's so much going on, and they just need just stick with one person. Stop blaming one person for the fail of an entire production, mm -hmm. um, and assuming that switching people around is going to fix it. I think. Like, look at what you did right with Wonder mm -hmm. Woman, and replicate that. It's freaking easy, bro. <laughs> like, just do it. 
it's it's the it's the rushing game. DC keeps trying to play catch up instead of and it's like we said with Crisis yep. on Earth X. They keep trying to play catch up instead of taking their time doing proper character development, making sure these characters mean something to us. That way, when you start having them interact with each other, what they say and what they do has history mm-hmm. behind it, which gives more emotion or more value or more everything to what they're currently yeah. doing in just subtle, smaller interactions with more characters. Yep. They think because people associate themselves with brands, especially when it comes to superheroes, that they just want to throw as many as mm-hmm. they can <laughs> um, into one and and see what they can do. But I think it, it it's very clear why Wonder Woman mm-hmm. did well. <laughs> like we talked about it and we highlighted oh, yeah. it and we compared it to the rest of the DC franchise. And every movie has been missing the mark on creating meaningful relationships um, with the characters and they just keep keep thinking that they can <laughs> they're like all right we did wonder woman it's fine yeah we're we're back and they keep making the same mistakes so it'll be interesting though to see what happens with aquaman i'm curious something i've heard people say a lot too is that and i i have to give dc credit in this regard dc did kind of create the superhero movie if you look back to like the christopher reeve superman movies and then the tim burton batman movies they were kind of the pioneers of all of this But one of the things that they did, and they did do it well, so why not do it again, is that it allowed these characters to stand on their own. There was no, like, Christopher Reeve meets Michael Keaton. I mean, it would have been cool, but at the same time, that can't be your end goal from the start. It has to be Mm -hmm. understanding and showing that you understand these characters. DC's extreme lack of ability to prove to us that they understand their flagship Superman character just Mm -hmm. spits in the face of their entire universe like if you can't get your big guy right how are we going to expect you to get anything else right like show the dude saving somebody jesus christ (laughs) (laughs) yeah like i need less edgelord yes (laughs) yeah i don't i don't know i don't mm. and the whole christopher christopher nolan never really taking on that role i think was a great move for Mm -hmm. him they wanted Um, it for him but. Yeah, he, they did. Yeah, and I think there's that. That's telling. Um, that tells us something. <laughs> Why didn't he take yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not only because I so mean, there's got to be some internal. He's not the kind of director something. that gets roped into major franchises like that. He didn't even want to do the third Batman movie. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he got he got out of Dodge quick. I'm sure they had all sorts of creative issues going on because he probably wanted one mm-hmm. thing. He he's he's a filmmaker with yeah. integrity that looks at individual movies and talent (laughs) yeah he looks at individual movies instead of like this broad world of yeah they're yeah they're too big picture you're 100 percent right about that they're way too big picture nolan would have done real good though not gonna lie (laughs) yeah tbh like he dodged a bullet but also like screwed us all yeah right (laughs) little bull uh hulu amblin uh, amblin entertainment nope that's not right amblin (laughs) <laughs> Hulu, Amblin, Television, and Warner Brothers Animation have announced a deal to create and premiere a brand new version of the iconic cartoon franchise, Animaniacs, for a two-season straight-to-series order. The deal also brings the complete libraries of all the original Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, the subsequent Pinky, Elmira and the Brain, and the complete Tiny Toon Adventures collections exclusively to Hulu. So speaking of Hulu uh, kind of catching up to the pack, that's a major acquisition, I believe. 
Yeah. I think it's interesting, to be honest. I mean, I, I love me some mm-hmm. Animaniacs, very nostalgy. Um, but I don't really know what they're trying to get with this. I'm curious. They're going to get me. Do they think? <laughs> that's one thing they're going to get. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's, I'd love that. But I'm wondering if that is the market that they're going mm. to or they're trying to, to play to um, is the older generation that loved it when they were kiddos and now get to feel super nostalgic about it. Or are they trying to um, or they're probably just hoping that everybody watches probably. it, honestly. Because um, I, I will I would be interested to see who does consume it the most. I am curious um, as well, too, what they're going to or... do with it, because if you rewatch Animaniacs, there are some things that are kind of dated as far as like the references yeah. they make and stuff and some things you could argue were kind of politically incorrect for a cartoon. But it's also one of the things that I kind of loved about it because you can watch old mm-hmm. Looney Tunes cartoons. You're like, oh, you couldn't do that in a cartoon now. But I want them mm-hmm. to be able to still get away with stuff because like yeah. it's the Animaniacs. They're insane. Like let them do whatever they do. It's kind of great at the same time yeah. as much as it is questionable. I don't know. It's just the yeah. nature of the beast. True. Very true. And um, I, 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 I am hoping the animation doesn't change too much. I don't want to see like these flash animated things like so many yeah. cartoons are going toward. Yeah. New school yeah, stuff. Yeah. I like I like that classic yeah. WB animation. Yeah. I think it would be really um, to their disadvantage if they decided to redo mm-hmm. everything. I think that's half of their their pull on that is the the old school style. Yeah. And I, the promo art was still very old school style too so yeah yeah all right this one i know you know stuff about netflix has announced that they have officially greenlit a sequel for bright david Ayer will write and direct with will smith and joel edgerton expected to return bright premiered on the streaming service on december 22nd 2017 and despite mixed reviews became the highest viewed netflix film ever in its first week of release and one of the biggest originals Netflix has ever launched. That includes sequels and other original content. Yeah, which blew yeah. me away. Especially considering the and divisive to... reviews that were out there. Yeah. Well, Rotten Tomatoes had it on like a yeah. 20 for oh, like God, a week, I hate right? Rotten Tomatoes so much. Don't even get me started on that <laughs> yeah. one. Right. But that tends to set yeah, the stage yeah. for the first few days of the of the consuming Absolutely. of the film, which was completely different, which this whole entire, like, honestly, bright has me on a whole nother level of like interested because um, we watched yep. it. We watched it the yep. day it came out. We stayed up yes. late, watched it as a community. Well, that was like three of us, I think, who stayed <laughs> yeah. up until like two in the morning. <laughs> um, and it was great. Uh, I didn't I wasn't like blown away. I didn't think it was masterful or and I thought its allegories were mm-hmm. weak. I thought it, I was shocked because Max Landis was a part of it and we love him. And I didn't I wasn't feeling very Max Landis. not attached to the sequel. Not attached to the sequel, which makes me very sad. Has also sad. been um, extremely quiet on social media fat, lately. He got paid a yeah. lot <laughs> for the first one. But yeah, I don't know why. I want to know why. Um, maybe he was trying to be too divisive, maybe. which I could see. But really, Netflix, like, come on. Like, you you are, that is what you're for. <laughs> it's what we get to use you for. You don't follow under the same standards of regular TV and, and mm-hmm. film. Um, but I think most of its personally, I believe, I think most of its success came from the release mm-hmm. date. Uh, they dropped it on December 22nd. So oh, that's everybody true. was home. Yep. Um, families were watching. So I'm sure that was a major part of its pool. And 
I did moderate research on just like the numbers because I'm really I was really mm-hmm. curious about how people re- were responding to the negative criticism, and they brought in like 11 billion views the first three days. And to put this into perspective, Star Wars: The Last Jedi sold 11 billion mm-hmm. tickets the first few days. So Netflix is like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like they know. <laughs> and their production, I think, was about a hundred million for this actual mm-hmm. film. So they I mean, they put a lot of cash into it and it, off. it reaped yeah. Um personally I think where they missed the mark on the film where I didn't really like it was just the lore Same. of it all. It felt very shallow. The world was not developed. Yeah. Like I didn't know what anything yeah. was really supposed to mean. It's like, hey, you know fairies, but there's one and that's all we're gonna do about it <laughs> yeah like you know orcs and yeah. fairies from all of the other worlds yeah. that <laughs> media like they has did given the work, you so we we're not gonna give to. you our lore <laughs> i think one of the most frustrating and i remember like experiencing it with you guys was the scene where they cut to and this isn't really spoilers so i i hope to not be spoiling anybody but they cut to um a dragon flying right. in the sky like against the moon as mm-hmm. a silhouette and i wanted to know so much about mm-hmm. that dragon <laughs> i was like what <laughs> Why is there a dragon? What is the dragon doing? I thought the dragon was going to be like the enemy. Right? Like it seems like if they present it that way, it's going to be a major plot point. And it just flies through the scene and And gone. Yeah. It's like a bird in the sky. It's casual AF. Um, They did release. I don't know if you saw the little snippet from Netflix. They released like, I guess, in response to the criticism, it was like a a lore like YouTube video from Netflix about like the history of magic Mm. in this realm. Super weak in my opinion. Super weak. Yeah, and if it's outside the movie, sorry, don't count. Yeah. (laughs) Like you can't just tack on things on your DVD extras and be like, this makes the movie better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like just kidding, here you go. Like okay, I'll watch this and I'll think that it's a masterpiece now. No. All it did was really explain, like, the importance of some of the pieces in the narrative, um, which still didn't give Would me Would it have much. been that like, hard to have, like, a five-minute... That before the yeah, film, like, right? Yeah, I know. In the time before time, <laughs> there were orcs. Yeah. And, and then, the, exactly. then you just get up to, like, the modern day and, like, all those things you knew yeah. happened. And now they're buddies. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> something, anything, <laughs> please build up to it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I th- that's what we were discussing, too, is we wanted it to be like a series so they could take their time. And which is funny because Netflix makes series out of everything. Yep. So I was just I was very I was heckin bamboozled with this one um, <laughs> as to why they didn't take their time on it. Uh, but I'm hoping they answer these questions. In I the hope sequel. so. I mean, if anything, okay. I kind of like that they're getting a sequel because I'm intrigued enough about the world like the fact that we're like please tell me more means there's something there they haven't hit it yet but there's something there Mm -hmm. explore please yeah explore please give me more even just the relationship between will smith's character and his wife right i just wanted to know more um i feel like almost every level i missed uh depth but who knows yeah sequel give me please (laughs) yeah sequel give me and it kind of ties into what they did with the end of the fucking world they made that into Mm -hmm. a series and it's the whole series is about as long as a Mm. movie and it was brilliant absolutely loved it that was actually on one of my uh geek out yeah i saw that and then you said it off 
And then I took it off because I thought I was going to go off about the other things for oh. a little bit longer. <laughs> um, and now I'm bringing it up because I just want everybody to watch it. Go consume it if you haven't. Um, but it's a really original take on a very classic, I think, story. And How long? It's 20-minute 20 20 episode, eight episodes. 20-minute so episodes. As wow, long as that's a film. fast. Yeah, about as long as a normal huh. film. Um, but because they break it up the way that they do, it feels very, uh, it feels longer, honestly. Interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can get into that. Mm-hmm. All right. Lastly, Sci-Fi has announced that their upcoming series, Krypton, will premiere on March 21st, 2018. Set two generations before the destruction of the legendary Man of Steel's home planet, Krypton follows Superman's grandfather. Yes, you heard that correctly. Not Superman, <laughs> not even his father Jarrell, but his grandfather, as he fights to redeem his family's honor and save his beloved world from chaos. Even though we already know he can't, because it's gonna blow up. Because that's the most important thing that Krypton does, guys. It blows up. <laughs> Good series, guys. <laughs> I'm in into this series. Don't see where this one's nope. going to go. Nope. I love prequels. Have I talked about how much I love prequels, guys? They're my favorite when I don't know where everything's going. Oh. Especially when they're not needed. Oh, my God. It's and, so good. And it's so the, good. We're not going to explore. Especially on sci-fi. We already said no Superman. We're not going to explore the world of the other character we know. Jarrell, the other major character. In it. Nope. His that dad. Everybody wants. <laughs> Have you heard about his dad? Well, no. Just no. Who who wanted this? Who greenlit this? What is happening? <laughs> what is happening? Who okayed this? Because I have a very angry email to send. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so I guess the bet now is how long before it gets canceled? Yeah. I My thing is like sci-fi? <laughs> like really? <laughs> Like not even like C double like who watches sci- I mean honestly to like to be fair I loved me some sci fi back when I mm-hmm. had cable um but why why not the CW where half your mm-hmm. brand's already there why not mm-hmm. Netflix like what are you doing like could did not <laughs> they probably did pitch it to these people and everybody was like ah, they're like oh holy you're shit you're shopping around a Superman <laughs> TV show yeah I w- wait wait. No, no, no. No. So it's like Smallville. He just never becomes. No. So. No, it's his grandpa. So you want to take it like it's going to be on Krypton. So we're talking about Jarrell, right? Like how Brainiac like takes over and ends up blowing. No. His dad. The fuck's his dad? Like, what is what are we doing? (laughs) What is that pitch meeting? Yeah. I don't, I don't, especially be, since we know what the ending is, unless they're going to like go outside of canon and do something yeah. crazy, which at this point would not shock me. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, no, that felt like a really stupid business. Move. So the trailer dropped this week and there's really? a scene in it where like a guy in a baseball cap and a hoodie kind of dressed like you <laughs> right now Yeah, <laughs> uh, goes up to Superman's grandfather and hands him Superman's cape and is like, your grandson's going to be amazing. 
And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm the great like they're Ryan. doing a time travel That's... thing where he makes them aware. Oh, man. Uh... <sighs> I kind of just want to laugh. I want to watch it for the laughs, like for the lulls. movie night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have to watch this with a group real, of people go in with like really low. No expectations yeah. at all. Like not even low expectations, just no expectations. <laughs> And see, see what that does for the comedy. It it just looks so bad. I don't get it. I don't get it. <sighs> yeah, they could have they could have done a Superman TV show, and that probably would have yeah. done really well. Um, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know where or why or how. <laughs> all the all the W's, all the W's all of the questions, all of the yeah, all of the W's. I uh, I do watch one show on Sci Fi, The Magicians. Is oh, pretty yeah, kick that, ass. Um, what is that? That Lee Grossman? Uh, Lev Grossman. Or... I've interviewed yeah. him. He's yeah, that that, that yes. book series. That's a fucking weird show, but it's I'm a great into it. show. I love it. I have a friend who's directed yeah. a few episodes that uh, will be on the podcast mm. at some point. So yeah, mm-hmm. he's also directed mm. some Vampire Diaries and some other things. Vampire yeah. Diaries. I haven't seen Spicy. that one. <laughs> Not really inside my <laughs> wheelhouse. <laughs> Uh, I think what have would would have been really good for them to do is like a origin story of Wonder Woman in, in a series that would have done well. even see that if you're gonna tell me about like the story of the Amazons versus the gods like that initial old story that they started showing in Justice League a little yeah. bit of yeah. I watched like that's a prequel I will watch yeah I, I will watch, watch that. that well and the just the conception of her is so interesting. And because they're making a second one, it would make mm-hmm. sense. <laughs> like it would be logistically a bridge even between ah. two movies to keep the awareness up. Yeah, please. That's a that's a thing you can do. <laughs> what? Go figure. Oh wait, Marvel did that too with Agents of Shield. Ah, oh, and Agent Carter. Oh, oh. shit. Eight, in which oh, I love. God, Agents I loved of Agent Carter. It was better than <sighs> Shield. Like why? Why did yeah. Shield stay on and Carter got canceled? That's bull. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> to end on a where I'm an Agent Carter note. <laughs> uh, final thoughts or something you'd like to plug before we wrap it up for this week? Um, final thoughts or plugging? Oh, uh, final thoughts. Uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> um, Saturday. I will be, and this is really more for the live people and less for the later listeners. It might drop like tomorrow. Maybe. Probably not. Maybe. (laughs) No pressure. No pressure. Um, But Saturday, I'm going to be playing Life is Strange for the first time in my entire life. Uh, Actually, that's not right. I started it a long time ago, and I don't even remember it. So... um, I'm going to play that. It's been played quite often amongst my friends, and I'm tired of not being able to watch them. So I'm going to play that. So if you want to be there, uh, it'll be on my channel uh, at 1. Twitch.tv slash Toddreel. All right. All right. And also check the show notes at thegeekgeneration.com. The link will be in there, too. And all the social medias and all that stuff. Uh, Also, to see everything else we do, you can head on over to thegeekgeneration.com for the show notes and other things. We have a Discord. Our community is uh, hopping. We're getting more and more people in the Discord community. That's where you can see all the stuff that we do. I'm a lot quicker to post things in Discord than I am on uh, the website. 
So if you are in there, it's thegeekgeneration.com slash discord. You can hop in there. You can chat with us throughout the week. Uh, we have movie nights. We announce all our streams there. You can find out when the live podcasts are. You can watch uh, Thursday things. Thursday is going to be like our big nights now on the stream, guys. We're doing the podcast yes. on a Thursday night. Next week, we have a streamers panel at 7 p.m. And almost always at 7 p.m. Uh, we have a streamers panel next week with uh, Black Pyre TV, Mop Garden, and Keontae. The following week, we have Wheel of Geek Gen, which is our game show that we started between the last podcast and this one. We also have a birthday stream the weekend after. We have a birthday stream on January 20th. All of this is happening at twitch.tv slash the geek generation. We even have our first wheel in February completely booked. I don't even know if I told you that yet. We're so far booked ahead now. It's fantastic. Yes. Uh, So check all those things out. If you use iTunes and you're listening that way, please rate the show and write a review. We always appreciate those. You can watch our live podcasts, cooking, gaming, and more at twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. You can send emails to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can be found on our site. We will be back real soon with more geeky stuff for you. We'll see you then. Make it so.